Great. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another Mornings with Marit. Today, I'm super excited about this um, presentation with Nicole, who I'll introduce with here shortly. Um, as many of you know, I'm a huge fan of Colby and have been around Colby for 16 or 17 years now, which seems very, very long. Um, but it's fun to actually now take a twist on this and think about it with kids' perspective, not just about leadership and in your agencies. So today's obviously called um, the Survival Guide for Parents, Taking the Struggle Out of the Semester. So we'll just move forward here, Nicole, quickly. I know you're going to help me move through the slides. And uh, if you haven't joined us on our Facebook page, please do. That'll be great. Um, it's a good way for us to entertain with each other, talk to each other, ask questions. And a lot of times that's where some of the ideas for these programs happen as well. So I hope you'll join us there. If you haven't, just go on the Facebook page and ask to join the team, and we'll do that. So with that said, I'm going to introduce Nicole Lauks today. She's with an organization called Dynamind, which is actually a company with Colby. Um, and so they focus specifically on kids and a lot of the R&D work that Colby does that goes into production later on. So Nicole's been with uh, Dynamine for about four years now. She's their COO. Um, she actually was a high school teacher prior to that. And um, she also has, does consulting with schools and kids. So I think you're going to like her take on things. And she's going to bring us a lot of good advice as parents, how to deal with your kids, whether they're virtual or at home. Um, or at school and just some different techniques to maybe give them a better environment that's a little healthier going into So Nicole, um, why don't you go ahead and say hi and give us a little bit of background on you and we'll talk about Colby's with us too. Hi, Mara, thanks so much for having me on this morning. Um, as she said, I am, have been with Dynamine for about four years now. Um, previously, I was a high school chemistry teacher um, so I and I'm also a parent of two young kiddos. So I can totally understand what you guys are all going through right now from both the educator perspective and the parent perspective and trying to figure out how we're going to navigate through this um, crazy, crazy time we're going through, especially this semester where we're sort of online, sort of in person and how we can help our kids be really successful. Great. I'm also going to introduce Matt. So you're wondering why there's a guy sitting there and he's not going to talk <laughs> very much. But Matt's our communications director at IIT, and he's actually going to share his own personal stories with his son doing um, the student aptitude quiz and how that's helped him and his son sort of work through maneuvering through the unknowns and how to, yep. to, to make him feel more comfortable. So, Matt, you can say hi to everybody, too. Hello, everybody. Like Mart said, I have an 11-year-old son, so he's going to be going into middle school, so a big transition, and it's, of course, very weird with everything that's happening right now. Um, I also have a three-year-old. He was too young to take this, but I'll probably make him take it when he's a little older. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to talking with everybody. Great. Well, we well, have a solution just... for you, Matt. Stay All right. Tuned. <laughs> Stay <me> tuned. <laughs> So the other thing that's fun about Matt, just so you guys know, all the webinars we do at IAT, Matt's usually the guy behind it, making sure that it works, and he'll be paying attention to the chat box today and helping us with any questions you might have, so we want to make sure that you have an opportunity to check in with us, and this will also be recorded, so this will be available on demand. I know there's going to be some of you that are going to be listening to this and then say, gee, I wish so-and-so had heard this, or how do I make sure somebody has the resources later and so we will get, make sure we send out the link later today and put it on our website. So with that, Nicole, I'm going to let you sort of take off. Awesome. So as Mart said, I assume many of you are probably 
somewhat familiar with uh, Colby through taking the Colby A index for yourself. Um, and if you're not, Colby A index is how you naturally take action um, when you're striving. So when you're trying to do something, so learning, um, being productive in some way, this is how you would naturally do that with the least amount of stress and the most amount of success. Um, so as you see here, these are myself and Marit's Colby A index results. Um, and you might notice that they're very, very different <laughs> in both the blue line and the green line. And so this really just shows um, us that Mara and I take action in very different ways. Yes, Mara, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I have Colby envy, Nicole. When I see yours, I'm like, oh, I wish I had some of that. <laughs> you know what? Me too, but luckily that's why we surround ourselves with people who are different to fill in the gaps so that we can do what we do the best, right? And yeah. they can do what they do best. Um, and then we are all working as efficiently as possible and saving lots of time and energy. Um, so Marit jumps right into things and I will probably plan much more ahead of time and be a little bit less risky with some of my decision making. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, um, we've talked about it a little bit before, but right after we went into, you know, COVID and went home, I did the Colby B, which is what is your job right now? Mm -hmm. And um, I was ha actually having to operate as an 8624, um, which just about killed me because <laughs> it was just doing a lot of research and trying to stabilize everything. And I'm somebody who likes to charge forward and take risks and think of new ideas. So actually Mornings with Mart has been a great um, source of energy and creativity that I've been able to do without having to do a lot of research. And we come up with these in the instant, right, Matt? I'm more right. added. <laughs> Matt's the person who grabs all the ideas and has to, to execute on them, but it, it keeps us both busy and energized at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's a really great point. I'm glad you brought that up, that your what you were having to do in your job role was very stressful for you and it was causing a lot of stress and being able to be free to be yourself was the answer for you. Um, that ties perfectly to what kids are going through in school. Many kids are doing a job as a student that is totally contrary to who they are, and they're in a constant state of stress. So this is all about how can we give them the freedom to be their, themselves um, while still getting what they need to get done, but it, um, in a more, you know, enjoyable way for everybody. Yeah, great. So like Mart said, um, I'm with DyneMine Inc. and we are the sister company to Colby Corp, also founded by Kathy Colby. Um, whereas Colby Corp does the business, government, finance kind of branches, we work with youth, education, and wellness clients. And also the research and development that you would later see in um, Colby Corp. So I'm sure many of you are familiar, like I said, but for those of you who are not, um, we're kind of talking about the conative aspect piece. So you're probably familiar with the other two aspects, the three parts of the mind, and really you and your kids are all three of these things. You're not just one or the other. You have your cognitive piece, and that's really your thinking. Um, that's studied in school, you know, IQ, a math test. Um, school is generally all about, you know, the cognitive part of the mind and learning and progressing that area. We also have, you know, the affective part of the mind, your motivations, desires, um, your values. So a lot of that is done at, at home and at school, trying to get kids motivated, trying to get them engaged. Those are some kind of buzzwords. And that's all about dealing with the affective part of the mind. 
And we also have this third part of the mind that has not been really addressed that often in schools, um, and that's the cognitive or doing. And this is what you need to, how you need to take action if, if free to be yourself. Um, and this is the doing part. And like I said, this is really sort of ignored in schools right now um, and isn't really dealt with. And that's kind of what Colby and Dynamite deal with. So we know that when there are different problems for different parts of mind, we have solutions, right? If you have a cognitive problem, you're missing a skill and knowledge, you're behind in your grade level, um, there's re remediation and help for that. You know, you go to tutoring, you are maybe held back, you um, get extra help from peers or teachers or parents. There's a set system for that in schools. And as a parent, um, you kind of know what to expect if there's a cognitive deficit happening um, in your household. When there's an affective, you know, it, problem, I would say, you know, low motivation, the, the kid's not engaged in something, there are things that we can do and that hopefully the teachers and you as parents are, you know, work to kind of get that going um, or, you know, not a match in values or personality issue, you know, your kid doesn't like your teacher, their, his or her teacher. Um, there are solutions for that that you know of, you know, counseling, um, discussions, but when there's a cognitive problem, a lot of times, number one, people don't really know what it is that it's a cognitive problem, and so they try to have solutions that are either cognitive or affective. You know, we're going to talk about this, I'm just going to make them study more, things like that, but really it's a mismatch, like Marit said, you know, having to do something totally against how you naturally would. Um, so we need to figure out how we can align how a kid is naturally going to do something and give them advice that really works for them um, so that they're able to really be successful and deal with the problem as a cognitive problem. You know, Nicole, this this reminds me, and this is where I think people can um, diagnose incorrectly with kids. So as a quick start, um, in school, I always waited till the last minute to cram and get things done, right? And so it was like I'd pull the, I didn't like all-nighters, but I would do the last minute. That's where the push was. I was always mm -hmm. doing, you know, my class work in the, in the period prior, right? So it's all this last-minute stuff. Well, from an outsider's perspective, it was looking like, well, she doesn't care. She's not interested. Mm -hmm. She's not engaged. When really, I needed that last-minute rush to happen for me to have the energy, the capacity, I always say when the magic happened <laughs> to get it done. Um, and so it's a great example of somebody could say, gee, this person's not interested. In reality, they thrive with the last minute piece of it. And that's probably a good example, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. You have a natural sense of urgency. So having you plan to do it ahead of time is just not going to work for you. And um, so you have to do it in a way that to some, like you said, your teachers who are likely fact finder and follow through looked like you were disengaged. Yep. Another good example is I had students all the time who were in other classes doing very poorly. And they were smart kids. They were motivated kids to do well. And for some reason, they were just doing poorly in the class. And when you looked at it, one of the students had, you know, very short line and follow through they were not systematized or organized and their teacher was you know really making the class very very follow through and they couldn't keep up so they kind of just kind of disengaged themselves from it even though they are a motive they were a motivated student in general and very intelligent they just 
I can't do this my way. I, I can't be a part of it. And so they kind of disengage and it looked like maybe that they just didn't know the information or, you know, weren't, um, didn't care, but it's certainly not the case. Yeah. So we're going to briefly talk about the action mode. So as we're going through and talking about FactFinder and follow through and quick start, you have an idea if you're not as familiar with Colby. So FactFinder is that red line and it's how you um, gather and share information. And we'll go through the continuum of what that means in terms of what your kiddos are doing. Um, follow through is how you naturally organize and design information and systems. Quick start is how you deal with risk and uncertainty. And implementer is how you're gonna handle space and tangibles. Um, and we're, we're gonna go through examples of this, but essentially in each of these four, you and your kids um, have a strength in each of these four areas. And it kind of falls on a continuum between one and 10. And for simplicity's sake, we break it up into three areas um, for each of these. And these are our 12 strengths. Um, and remember, all of this is when you are striving, right? So this is how you naturally take action when you're striving. You still have to be motivated to do something. It's actually when you're doing something. Um, when you're sitting on the couch doing nothing or taking a break, um, this isn't necessarily where this comes into play, right? So this is reliable. Your result, Marit, as you were talking about when you were a kid studying, you did the exact same thing as you um, you did as a kid as you do now because your result does not change. No. <laughs> um, we just finished a 20-year test retest reliability study, and we see that, in fact, statistically, your results will not change even over 20 years, so presumably your whole life. Yep. Um, so when you have your kids kind of complete um, an assessment to figure out their strengths, or when you've taken the Colby Index yourself, you can really count on that. You know that this is something that you can, you shouldn't want to change about a person, and you, and you really can't change them. So if, so if Marit, I would have told you, let's just put you in an, you know, a class where we teach you how to organize and use a binder, and we're going to work on this really hard, and you're going to get it someday. You would have you know, maybe done it for a week or something. And then you would have It'd have been fun to, to think about it as an idea. And then you'd be like, okay, well, I'm not staying with that. And, you know, it's interesting, yeah. Nicole, I kind of talk about um, Colby is like oxygen for me. I have to have it when I work with people. If I go and work with anybody, if I don't know their MO, I could absolutely be coaching them against their grain and putting them in a really frustrating, burned out situation. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with kids. Um, you know, I, I was able to get some sense of my son back when he was four, when I first got certified. Um, and back then you didn't have the kids test at that mm -hmm. point, but you know, you just become aware of what your cues you're looking for. Um, and I remember at one time, you know, I was like, Alex, it's time for bed. Alex, it's time for bed. And he would ignore me. And I thought he was ignoring me. And as soon as I got done with my Colby certification, my whole, you know, world blew up and your filters <laughs> changed. And I realized he was just parking the cars before he went to bed. <laughs> he yeah. just wanted to make sure everything was in order so it wasn't chaos where I would never have never ever put everything together. I could walk away from something being a disaster. So it is great from a perspective as a parent to start to watch those cues and how do you help your kid from a perspective of being energized in their work and what they're doing as opposed to exhausted. Absolutely. And so 
these are, um, like I said, each of you would have a strength in the fact finder, follow through, quick start and implementer, and it, it's not going to change. So don't try and change it. Let's embrace it and figure out how to help um, suggest, you know, tips and tricks so that they're going to be successful in environments maybe where it would be overall kind of stressful. Um, so let's look at that fact finder first. And what we're seeing is um, at the bottom, we have researching. These are those kids who are naturally going to prioritize um, dig into the details, need a lot of information before they get started on something. And again, this is when you're motivated. So it's not like they would need information about every single thing in their life. This is if they care about it, right? So if they care to do something about it, they're going to need information to move forward. These are the kids in class and now at home, you know, when they're virtually with you, who are going to ask a lot of questions before they before they get started. And they, and they need that opportunity to do some research or um, consult an expert or, you know, do those things before they're really able to what it looks like to you take action. But for them, that is kind of the, the process for them. Um, we have those kids on the other end, the simplifiers, who naturally do not need a lot of information to get started. In fact, they will get started with um, without listening to all the instructions. And then they will later realize when they hit a stopping point that they need more information, you know, so they get information as needed and it's usually bullet pointed information, not long, long paragraphs um, that they're going to read through. They're not going to open attachments. You know, <laughs> these are kids who are going to, you know, skim books and that's okay. You know, in school, we tell our kids, we, you know, you need to read every single word of this chapter, you know, for those simplifiers, what is the most important information? Is it bolded? Is it highlighted? How can you skim to get the essence and then get more information as needed, right? Because if they read, you know, a whole page of something necessarily, they're not necessarily going to retain it as well as if they would have gotten those key bullet points, right? And then those kiddos in the middle who explain, they're able to kind of bridge the gap between both of those. They can take something that's really long and verbose and kind of summarize it and pare it down a lot easier. Those are kids who are going to excel when they're given a writing assignment to a specific length or, um, okay, you need to fill this section and I know that so I can kind of write to that section. They're not going to write more than that. Um, and they'll kind of do exactly what's asked for that. They can also take information um, that's really long and kind of pare it down to give to those simplifiers. So those are kind of the, the three um, zones in that fact finder and kind of what you would expect that kid to be able to do. Um, and then just thinking about virtual and working, you know, doing school from home, um, it can be difficult for those simplifiers who um, maybe are told because it's a virtual environment a lot of times right now, um, you're not having necessarily that interaction with your teacher or peers all day long, right? You know, it's like an hour or two a day. I don't know if, if Matt, that's what you're seeing with kind of is gonna happen with your son, but in a lot of places in our area, we see that, you know, you're really interacting with the teacher just a couple hours of the day, and then you're really more independent learning um, yeah. the other hours, yeah, right? I mean, that's the thing. We think that's how it's going to work. Um, <laughs> we're still waiting to hear from our school district exactly how it's going to work, but that that seems to be, you know, what the process is going to be. We'll 
you know, he'll be with a, a teacher maybe an hour or two a day, but then they're just kind of off on their own doing their little assignments and projects and they just have to like check in every once in a while. So yeah. Yeah, and I could see issues for that for both the simplifiers and the researchers. The explainers are going to have an easier time just accommodating that kind of, inf you know, that kind of information, um, getting, you know, getting that information from the teacher. But for the simplifiers, a lot of times they, like I said, don't really listen to the instructions. They'll just jump in. Um, and if they're kind of starting and then they can't ask somebody later when they really need the information, that can be difficult. So really having them being able to message the teacher when they need that um, and not having the teacher say, I told you those instructions two times, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, or having a friend that they can call in their class um, to clarify the instructions or the expectations is gonna be really helpful. On that other end, those researchers do need information. So if they're relying on their teacher to be their expert and they don't have um, access to their teacher all day long, they might be starting to ask you a bunch of questions about stuff that maybe you don't have time to answer or you just don't know about. Um, so trying to help them find resources, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's another kid in the class, maybe it's you know a book or online or they can reference to get more information as needed. Um, because like I said, they need a lot of information to get started and if they don't have a, a way to ask those questions or get that information themselves, then they're just not gonna start, right? So those are kind of some tips that I would recommend, especially for those virtual environment. So follow through is the, the blue line, and that is how we organize and share, um, organize and design. Um, at the bottom, we have planning, and these are people who are going to naturally systematize and organize in a, um, in a stepwise process. They are not gonna be random generally they are going to do things in order in a sequence so things like having a natural flow of the day is really important for them um, having consistency is very important for them and being able to plan and schedule some of their own time is very important for them um, these are students who are going to seem you know very very organized um, they're generally going to have do the same do things in the same kind of way um, for example they would be fine with um, formatting their papers all in the same way or they always turn in their work and it looks pretty neat and tidy um, those are going to be those kids they also need a structure um, a structured environment and again we'll talk about that can be kind of difficult right now because there is not a totally structured environment for education you know um, on those other, the other end, the shortcutting, um, those are kids who are just so easily adoptable. They are not going to follow, they're organized, but in their own way. They're not going to follow a system or sequence necessarily. They're going to find shortcuts and um, kind of a plan A, plan B, plan C kind of thing and move very, um, at, you know, be very agile in their movements between those. They don't need a set structure. And in fact, they thrive on having things kind of, you know, be a little bit more chaotic in that way. Um, so these are students. Say Nicole, with with kids like that, um, 
having an environment that they know this is what needs to get done during the day, but it doesn't have to be done in a specific order so they can bounce around is going to be much more energizing than here's the schedule all day long that you need to follow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So those planning students are the ones that would need a schedule. Okay. We always do math at this time. I always then check my, you know, check my reading folder at this time. I always then check in with my teacher at this time, that will work for those planning students. And that's kind of how a, a natural, normal educational day is at school, is kind of structured that way. Um, for the, and even if they actually even better for them now, because if they're able to plan that for themselves, that's even better, right? And not have the school plan it for them. Like you said, I can do my own work at my own time. For those shortcutting students, um, they're not gonna do things in the same order and the freedom to be able to kind of pick and choose at different times and as long as they get everything done they're supposed to get done, that's gonna be great for them. Again, and also not having to um, necessarily, you know, like have a binder that's specific that schools check. I don't know if you guys have this, but we have things that um, you know, teachers are very specific about, okay, we all have to put this in our binder at the exact same place. You know, those, those kids who naturally shortcut are not going to stick with that very long. You know, they need a more, you know, a different organizational system that's a little bit simpler that they're just going to, you know, papers in, papers out kind of thing. Um, a, a really elaborate organizational plan is not going to work for them at all. And like you said, having the freedom to kind of jump around to different subjects, as long as they get everything done, it's going to be wonderful for them right now. Can I just uh, add, when, when my son took it and he got his score, he saw, you know, that he was low in certain things like quick start. And he thought because he had a low number, that was maybe, you know, like a weakness. But I had to explain to him, there's no like high score, low score. There's like benefits also of having a low quick start. You just, you just have to, you know, kind of look at it a different way. And it's a different, you know, different strategies you can use. That's a really great point. And it, just because you have a lower number does not mean you have um, any worse result. These are all yeah. perfect results. And every, as long as you're acting free to be yourself, it's perfect for you right? If you're yeah. trying to do something different, then that's where it kind of is not perfect for you, right? But we all have strengths and all 12 of these are strengths. None of them are weaknesses. Um, in certain situations, like in a school environment or some work environments, they're not necessarily taken advantage of or appreciated as they should be. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where we start feeling like they might be weaknesses when they're really not. And that's a great point. That shortcutter kid, I, I guarantee often feels like what they do, which is being really agile and able to switch gears and be very interruptible um, and just drop a task, doesn't have to be done with it and is able to move on at the drop of a hat. That's a real strength. And in, in many jobs and many organizations and family, you know, and even in the school environment, that can be a real strength and it's not appreciated. You know, if you have a fire drill and you have to stop in the middle of a test or a class or, you know, something they're doing. Those sharpening kids are like, oh, yeah, I can stop this right now and go to do a fire drill. I Actually, they're glad them. to have the, the fire yeah, drill. Yeah, they're like, yeah, that, we can leave. That break, right? They need to be yeah. doing different things. They need to be multitasking and doing lots of different things at once to be able to switch back and forth. But yeah. those kids who plan, who are natural planners, oh, my, that, this is an interruption. I'm not able to finish what I'm doing. This wasn't supposed to happen. Those are, that's going to be that kind of interruption that happens in life and in school sometimes, I mean, is, is tougher for them. 
So having a shortcutting ability is not appreciated, but it definitely should be. And it's not that we should try to change those kids to be more organized. Let's figure out how we can use their strengths in the classroom and now at home for you, but still have them be able to kind of get done what they need to get done, right? Um, and then those kids in the middle are really able to adapt and, you know, be um, kind of maintain a system. So they're the kind of teacher dream um, because a teacher will have a system or a plan for the classroom and they can adjust based on, you know, their seven different teachers that they have. They can do whatever each teacher wants. They turn in their, you know, they go with the flow in terms of plan. And that's really, you know, someone that would kind of be under the radar and do great with as far as organizing and designing. In the quick start, those innovator kids like Marit, um, those are kids who are naturally just going to go for it and experiment and um, not be bothered and in fact be energized by this, you know, uncertainty that's happening. Um, you know, it might be a little bit affectively scary at first, but with things going on in the pandemic, not knowing if you're going back to school or in person or not, I mean, that's not going to phase these kids quite as much. Um, in fact, it's kind of exciting, like, day to day not knowing what you're going to do and having something kind of thrown at you that you deal with right I mean that's that's probably what you live for hey. <laughs> and in fact you create some of that chaos <laughs> for others Absolutely. Matt don't shake your head that hard on, on, no. um, and so this type of environment is not as you know when they're not sure kind of what's happening this uncertainty um, is not as you know terrifying for those kids right um, on the other end, we have these stabilizers who, who naturally um, kind of stick with the status quo and deal with risk and uncertainty very differently, meaning they minimize that risk and uncertainty. So not knowing, um, you know, what they're going to be doing in class, not knowing if they're even going to go back in person, if they're going to be at home, that's very stressful for some of those kids. Um, and Matt, your son is in that stabilizing. Is he? Is it kind of stressful for him to be dealing with the, all this uncertainty yeah. that's going on right now? Yeah, I think it's it's caused a lot of anxiety, especially as you know, school was supposed to start this week, and now it's been pushed back four weeks. And he just doesn't like those surprises. Like he always wants to have a plan. He wants to know what's going to happen. Um, you know, he's one of those kids that I think most teachers love because he does you know, come prepared, he has a plan for everything, follows through with his work. But when something surprises him, it kind of throws him off balance and, you know, really is is impacting him as school, you know, is closer, we think. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be really important for those kids to make sure to remind them of things that are staying the same and staying consistent. Um, I certainly wouldn't tell a student or a kid that I was consulting with who was a natural stabilizer oh, guess what? You're going to have all this new stuff and it's going to be great and exciting. Like I would tell Marit, it's brand new. No one's ever done it before. It's amazing. You know, that's what I would tell you. I certainly wouldn't tell Matt's son that. I would say, you know what? You're still going to be with your same class. There's still going to be 30 of you. Um, you're going to be able to still see your teacher and talk to her every day. You could um, choose to do your work in the same place at home every day if you'd like. You know, mm -hmm. I would, I would remind, you know, you're still going to be in, you know, middle school or seventh grade or whatever it is. Um, 
you're still going to be taking these classes. These are the things that I would remind him of to decrease some of that anxiety and stress caused by that uncertainty. There are a lot of things uncertain, but I would definitely not talk about those. I wouldn't talk about how exciting or different it's yeah. going to be. <laughs> I would talk about how, you know, it's still going to be this way. Yeah. And, that, and some control that he's going to be able to have over the plan because he also is a highly accommodating follow through. Yeah, and we've made sure, you know, to, to have like a space just for him and we've helped him set that up and he's, you know, gotten new posters and made like a little area that he knows is just his workplace. And also just doing little things like he always gets excited about buying a new backpack. So even though he's not going back to school in person, I'm still like, okay, pick out your backpack and, you know, just do some of those little things as a parent that make it still seem like it's a normal going back to school. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's great. So exactly those types of things are what I would do for your son. Um, and then getting in, you know, and then those kids in the middle are able to adapt to change and uncertainty. Um, you know, if something happens, they're not going to initiate the change. They're not going to go for something new. But if a, a peer or a parent suggests some change, they'll kind of go with it. Um, that's not difficult for them. And then those kids who are implementers. Um, so on the bottom, we have Again, this is dealing with space intangibles. So on the bottom, constructing, these are kids who are going to naturally need demonstration to do the demonstration themselves and see it in the physical world. Um, and this can be very difficult for them if they're, you know, doing things virtually. Again, you're not in a space where you can physically hold the model. You know, I taught science, like I said, and I would have physical models for almost everything that I could because even if it was, you know, obviously not a proportion because I had students who naturally were constructors and they needed in the here and now that physicality um, demonstration to see what was what that really meant and it helped them learn. Um, and so when you're on at this virtual environment, that can be very difficult because you're both not seeing anybody else in person, but you're also not being able to um, touch and hold and, and do things yourselves and physically manipulate. So finding ways to do that for those kids is going to be really important, especially in a virtual environment. So Matt, like you said, your son highly accommodates in this area and is kind of more towards the constructing side. So having a space that he was able to pick out, making sure it's comfortable for him, it has the things he needs, quality materials, a pen, a pencil, you know, not kind of a desk that is sturdy, not something that's kind of, you know, slapped together last minute. Um, mm -hmm you know, being by a window, natural light, you know, maybe he's able to um, go outside for certain periods of the day to do work outside in nature and, you know, feel um, kind of the senses. And that's going to be important for him because he's not going to be able to do that just sitting in a chair. So having some yeah. manipulatives for him, um, you know, having him kick his leg, something under his desk where he could kick it, like a bouncy thing, or having something in his hands that he can manipulate that, you know, aren't going to be shown on video. Um, <laughs> Those are not distractions for someone who is a natural constructor. Those are things that are actually going to help them focus more, right? Yeah, he might be kicking his three-year-old brother under the table. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully, he accommodates in a lot of different modes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then those kids on the other end who envision, those are going to be kids who are not kind of stuck in the here and now, and they can kind of be more abstract with their thoughts. Um, and are not needing that sense of demonstration. In fact, they, um, they thrive when there's not kind of a 3D answer for things and can imagine different possibilities. So being in a virtual environment is not gonna be as taxing for them um, at all. 
you know, and then those kids in the middle who restore, um, those are going to be kids who kind of can accommodate different things and they kind of throw things together. You know, they don't need necessarily quality materials. They can fix something if it's broken and they can kind of deal with sitting in place for a while. They can deal with kind of walking around. Um, they don't necessarily need that structure, that environment to be, um, you know, can, you know, anything physical or demonstration, they can kind of go in between. So those are kind of the, the 12 strengths and what you would see in a student and some kind of pitfalls that we're going to maybe fall into for some students during this, you know, pandemic um, craziness, going back to school. Um, I don't know if you see any questions coming in, Matt. Uh, no, this not at the moment. Good. Okay. Right. And I think we've got you've got some nice examples here too to actually walk through, right? Um, yes. Uh, yeah. So let maybe let's look at like a picture of somebody. I know yeah. one of them is going to be Matt's son, and maybe this. I think hopefully if you you're already recognizing characteristics about your kids as we're talking about this. Oh yeah, my son does that, or my child does that. Um, so. I know we're going to also make sure that everybody knows how they can go find those results mm -hmm. as well so you're not guessing. Yeah. Absolutely. So we definitely don't want to guess because oftentimes as parents, um, we kind of get, let the affect to get in the way and we see ourselves and our kids. <laughs> and I'll show you later that that's not necessarily the case. Um, so yes, Charlie, that is your son, Matt. And as we kind of talked about, he's going to be that kid who's going to naturally research and dig into the details, but then very quickly need to put that into a plan of action. He's kind of a, um, a detailed planner, you know, and so having a structured, um, prioritized list of what he's going to be doing for that day is going to be really important for him. So he, while he's at home learning, um, and something that you as a parent can help with. And, and by the way, we're giving these tips and tricks so that you're not having to stand over your kid's shoulder and making, you know, do this, do this, you know, you can kind of step back and allow them to advocate for their own needs because if, if they're doing it in a way that's natural for them, they're going to be more successful and you're yeah. not going to have to bang your head against a wall to try and get them to do different things. Right. So if you um, empower your son to kind of stick with the same schedule every day and mark off and list the priorities he has for those the day, right? I'm going to write a list of my top three or my everything I need to do today. Let him prioritize it. Let him know what he's going to be able to do first and second and in the order he's going to do it. That's going to be really important for him. Yeah. Allow him to, um, you know, have time maybe either with um, on video or, maybe 30 minutes of your day where he can physically show you what he's doing. You don't yeah. have to allow that all day long. Um, that's not realistic if you're a working parent, right? Or even not, you know, even if you're a stay at home parent who's, you know, trying to do things at home, you're not going to be able to just sit there ne necessarily next to your kid all day and, you know, learn with them and, you know, do their schoolwork. Um, you, you better <laughs> not, Matt, you've got a job. <laughs> You're going to, um, but say, okay, between this time and this time, show me whatever you want. Show me what you've been doing. Um, let's do a demonstration or, you know, let's do build something together that kind of shows what you're talking, you know, the model you're talking about or provide them with materials. If he's doing math that he can physically count things, those yeah. are going to be important for him. And he can be then doing that on his own. Um, and again, like we talked about making sure that he's aware of the things that are going to stay constant in the same kind of, limiting those surprises for him. What can yeah. he expect? These are the things you can expect today, or these are the things you can expect this week. So maybe making sure his teacher provides him with kind of the, the schedule for the week. 
that can be very important. He knows what to expect. I know my homework is due this day. I know I have a test this day. Um, it limits those surprises and that uncertainty and allows him to fit it into his prioritized plan. And that's going to help him be, you know, immensely more successful and less yeah. stressed. Yeah. The other thing I'll add is he, uh, he's really into sports, basketball and baseball. So it's been really hard for him because mm -hmm. he hasn't been able to do that right now. He's, he can't be on the team or they can't go play their tournaments or whatever. So we've made sure that he still schedules out certain times of the day when it's cooler that he can, you know, practice his basketball drills. And he even has those like written out on a whiteboard and he'll mark it off when he finishes it. <laughs> so just like little things, um, you know, we're, we're trying to get him prepared to keep on doing that and to still have time to do that even when school starts, you know, and it's been really important for him just to keep that up. That's a really great point. It doesn't always have to be about, you know, your schoolwork. Let's provide opportunities, like you said, for um, striving in different ways that's going to help, you know, keep that kid in their zone um, and yeah. working and striving at high levels, right? So that's a really good point. If, you're, if your kid is an implementer but doesn't necessarily like sports, maybe they help cook lunch or dinner. Um, that would be honestly a really good task for your son because he has the details and he has the uh, plan. He could follow a recipe really well. Um, yeah. He would be an amazing cook. I would let him cook for He, he loves doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> so something like that, um, allowing them to kind of be in charge of a project of cleaning up something or organizing something in the house. Something that can use um, their skills. So it might not be, might, might not be, being taken advantage of in uh, the school environment, but let's allow them for something outside of the school environment to use that energy. That's a great yeah. point. Um, another example, and I'm kind of just, I picked a few different types of MOs that we're gonna deal with. Um, this child's Allie. She is naturally not gonna deal with the de details. She is naturally gonna simplify, and she will put something into a system, but only after she's ideated. You know, she's gonna, come up with ideas and, and um, experiment and do something, and then she'll kind of put it into a plan um, and more of like a, a loose plan of what she's gonna do, but she also needs that physicality. So when I'm talking to um, a student like Allie, I, the tips that I would give her for this crazy pandemic world that we're living in when she's at home is find times that you can talk with somebody it might not be your teacher online, it might not be the students while you're naturally in class because they're gonna be more verbal. Um, they're naturally gonna to need to talk things out and brainstorm um, and ideate, and then kind of put that into an organized system. You know, I have all these ideas and then I kind of write them down and chunk them into these three categories. Um, she's not gonna necessarily be able to do that and brainstorming is really helpful when you have another person. So maybe make sure you have a friend in the classroom um, even if it's virtual that you can hop on a zoom call with or hop on the phone with and because she has a six and implementer I would really suggest it be a hop on a zoom call so you can see them face to face and read that body language um, you're gonna need that child is gonna need to have time and if they're not able to do that with another student you as a parent might need to curve out maybe 30 minutes or 15 minutes where you can they can ask what if questions, they can ask different questions and just kind of ideate and brainstorm different possibilities and ideas for a paper they have to write, you know, something like that. And maybe they, because of the six and implementer, I would suggest you guys take a walk while that happens. Um, and it's not necessarily structured and sitting in a desk. So a lot of this is, again, like I said, you're not having to babysit your kid at home 
um, making sure they do all these different things, but allowing them the freedom to do it themselves and then maybe providing either another resource, a friend, a teacher, or yourself for a short time during the day to make yourself available to kind of help facilitate moving forward. Um, because again, with the seven and quick start, it's gonna be hard for her to move forward until she's brainstormed some options. And that can be, I mean, Mara, you know, you bring well, someone with other yeah, people. I was just, yeah, I was just thinking for me, that's one of the things I've missed. Matt and Cindy, they know when, when I'm starting to come up with ideas, we'll pull a group of people together with a whiteboard and just play with stuff for a while. And then I get it organized. Um, and so having to do it on my own at times, it's not as fun. I mean, I can do it. It's just not as much fun. And so we use different techniques now to allow for that. So yeah, the, those quick starts, they really do need to, they think out loud. <laughs> so they mm -hmm. have to, it, it doesn't happen in their brain. They're not going to write it down. They need to be able to interact and brainstorm and come up with options. And then it'll distill itself pretty quickly after that. And then with her fact finder, she's a two in fact finder, not having to um, kind of defend all of her ideas. That's going to be important. Well, why do you think that or defend your argument on this? You know, no, this is just what I think because I think it, you know, this is my idea. Um, let's try it out. I don't need all the evidence that it's going to work ahead of time. Um, and again, suggesting it's going to, it can be difficult if the teacher is asking the student to um, you know, read this whole book, you know, or do read this whole paper because they're doing independent work and it's less kind of like conversational. Um, I would suggest to that to Allie to make sure you skim and you really just hit the bullet points and you talk to have your friend give you the the bottom have your friend read it and give you the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell your teacher. <laughs> um, so th that's kind of what I would tell this student, Allie. Um, Taylor, this is actually, um, my brother's MO and, um, as a student, I, I have firsthand knowledge of kind of the struggles he went through and kind of in the framework of this pandemic, I, I'm going to talk about kind of some of the, the stress of this as well. It's very similar to Allie in that quick start and implementer. Um, so still needing to brainstorm and physical. So if you could, um, again, have that face to face interaction somehow, if not in person because of what's going on, have it a video chat instead of being on the phone or a parent or another sibling maybe um, can talk to them and brainstorm and do it in a more physical way, um, making sure that they have a comfortable environment or are able to again walk outside or do some of their work just like in the grass um, is going to be really important for them. With his three and follow through, he's really adaptable. He doesn't have to be in the same place every day. He doesn't have to follow a schedule. It's, you know, he, um, it's not important for him to like have a very structured and consistent, you know, plan for anything. And with this quick start, it's no big deal if things pop up out of the blue, right? You know, oh, school is canceled today. Great. Or school is back on today. Oh, great. The plan changed. It's no big deal. Those are all things that don't bother him. But in school, you know, those are the kids who are going to forget to put their name on the paper or did all the work and just didn't turn it in. Um, they're not going to keep a organized, like a organized binder or folder of something. They're going to need to, you know, just kind of shove it in a folder and find the paper that works for them. Um, you know, they, they are the ones who, if 
you have things, if you are a parent and you're like, oh, you have to put everything away in a drawer, it might as well be gone to them. They're not going to know it. They need piles in their rooms where they know what's going on. So um, an environment kind of at home can be nice because they're able to a little bit more freedom of that, but, um, and they will need reminders to turn things in. Um, they're going to need reminders to turn their stuff in electronically. They're going to need reminders. And whether that's electronic reminders, like as a parent, you help your child set up different, you know, like alerts on your phone or that child buddies up with somebody in their class. Like when, Hey, when you turn something in, make sure I turn it in too. Um, <laughs> so that they can help each other out with that. Um, that's going to be really, really important. Um, but I would say that the extreme structure that normal school is is very difficult for an mo like this this is going to be the mo that it's going to be the most difficult on because you don't naturally research a lot um, where you're getting all the details so you just happen to know everything because that's tested because a lot of the tests are fact finder tests and you you've read and you've researched and you know all of that you're also not extremely um organized in the traditional sense so you're not praised for your um, turning things in on time and things like that. And then you also are kind of asking questions all over the place and fidgeting and moving around and needing to get up all the time. So being at home can be a really, you can create a conducive environment for that. And that's going to be really lucky. Yeah, it's funny. My dad's MO is very similar to Taylor's and he's 75 now. He still has nightmares <laughs> about school because it was so rigid and so structured. Um, and it really, I mean, burnt him out and it's a stressful, <laughs> very, very yeah. stressful environment. Yeah. When we're talking about, um, you know, your Colby B index and what it, what your job means, it is going to be more like Charlie for most students, maybe less implementer um, would be ideal for a normal school environment. But then if everybody's trying to act like that, only a very small pop, you know, percent of the population has an MO like that. So we're really putting everyone else in a lot of stress. So yeah. these are kids who um, hate school you know, hate going to school and only would maybe go for the social interaction, but they often are not going to be top of their class, even if they're so smart and they care a lot. Yep. Right. Great. Good. I think we've got about 10 or 15 minutes left. So we'll okay. move through so people yeah. know what they can do next and we'll give them a couple more examples. Yeah. So very quickly, um, we have the student aptitude quiz, which is very similar to the Colby A index, but it's geared towards students. The questions and the results are all about how you can be successful in school. You still get your four numbers. So you'll be able to see what, what we're talking about and compare it to your own Colby A index as well. Um, and it's for ages 10 and older, and you can take it even up to about undergraduate college. And you can go to studentaptitude.com to get that. Um, if you're interested in there's different add-ons for taking tests and dealing with stress and things like that. So different reports. Great. Um, if your child is younger than 10, Matt, listen up. If I can get, oh, um, we have the Brainiac Natural Abilities Assessment. And this is for anyone three years and older. This is a nonverbal assessment. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a young kid. We've actually worked with um, students who have special needs who are unable to take a, a written assessment. Um, so this is totally nonverbal. We mail you a kit um, of kind of junk um, and we have instructions um, for, you know, for some of you, it's very similar to a glop shop, but it's an individualized um, assessment. We mail you something um, with very brief instructions. You record a video, you send it back to us and we actually score it. Um, two of us in-house score it and then send you a result. Again, you get your four numbers. Um, the report is written mostly toward to the parent. Um, 
in a, to kind of what are some tips and tricks that I can do to help my kids. So there are, are um, options for you, even if your student cannot take, your kid cannot take an assessment online. So Nicole, that first one for 10 or 11 and up, mm -hmm. um, that's what, $17? Is that what that is? Yes. Okay. So, and then how much is the Brainiac one? The Brainiac is $250, okay. which is a little steeper, but we, again, yeah. we score it in-house and Kathy actually personally scores it with another person of our team and nice. um, gives those results to parents. So yeah, sorry, that was the 10 plus, that's $17 and $5 for each add-on you'd like. Great. Um, so feel free to email and you can email me directly. I have my email at the end also if you're interested in Brainiac or any of the things that are um, listed here. Um, so let's talk about giving advice to your kid, right? Um, you're helping them try to be successful in school. Um, and as we know right here, parents and children are different. There's no genetic link. Um, so just as teachers try and give advice to students that would work for them and not necessarily work for the student, we do that as parents all the time. Um, and Matt, you and your son Charlie are similar in, in, in a couple different ways, but you're very different in a few. Mm -hmm. um, so the advice or things that worked for you in school are not necessarily going to work for your son. So kind of give us a, a take on that. Yeah, so really seeing these results for him weren't, weren't a surprise. It just verified a lot of things. Um, you know, the fact that we're both fact finders didn't surprise me at all, but I am a much quicker quick start, if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, I, I like Marit, I don't mind like something new every day or, you know, just kind of reacting to different situations. Um, he, of course, as we talked about, is very different. So I know, and I've been lucky because he knows this about himself too, that if he, you know, he'll get up and he'll make a schedule for what he wants to accomplish that day. And he likes actually just seeing it checked off, you know, like I'm going to use this 30 minutes to practice basketball. I'm going to use this 30 minutes to even like research something. I saw a list he created where he was like, actually, this is funny. He, he's, he's, he wants to start a lawn mowing business next year when he's a little older, but he's already like doing research on lawn mowers and stuff like that. He's making like a list. Like I would, I wouldn't do that. I would do the fact finding, but I would just keep it in my head. He will actually take that information, write it down, implement it. Um, and, you know, he'll use it as support and background. Um, I'm very different. We'll all have the information, but I won't spit it out a lot of times until it's like that time when somebody needs it right then and there. Um, when there's so that sense of urgency, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of how that play, plays out you know, and the difference between both of us. And it's more just recognizing like, oh, he has to do this. Like he has to, he's like my mom in this way. Like he has to like plan things out. He has to know what's going to happen um, where I'm, you know, it doesn't bother me as much. Awesome. Another example I know we have, Marit, you and your son. Yeah, very different. Alex, you Luckily, guys are very different, especially yeah. in Quick Start. So, <laughs> I can imagine you just coming up with ideas. We're going to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this. And he's like, whoa, <laughs> slam on the brakes. Yeah, no, it's, and it's interesting because there's two, two, I guess, stories that um, come to mind for me. One is he made a hockey team and had to move um, and had to make a decision within, you know, like two days that I made this team and I've got to move away. And he was 14 and it just completely, it's the worst 
behavior I've ever seen from me. He's just completely stressed out. And going back and looking at this very quickly thereafter, what we did to him was say, just accept it. And then we've got the summer to plan it and do the research. And if you decide you're not comfortable at that point, we'll back out. It's fine. And, and that just, it just calmed him down completely. And the pressure off. And it took the pressure of off and, and he was fine with it as soon as he knew that he had the time to plan that this decision wasn't the end all be all. And this was something he wanted to do from the very, since he was five, <laughs> you know, so it was his dream that was about to happen, but that put him in a total state of strain. Um, and the, so what we do with him is we, we talk about contingency plans. Okay. If this happens, you know, what are the scenarios and for college right now, he's, you know, going to be working from home, doing school from home. And so we, we did this summer was sort of say, okay, if you go back, this is what it could look like. If you stay at home, this is what it could look like. And so then no matter what has happened, he's already worked through all Prepared. the scenarios and feels much more comfortable about, okay, it's not a brand new thing because we already did the research and laid that out. That's so, awesome. And the other thing I want to just mention is how do you, we need to make sure you as a parent are able to totally stay in your game while your child's able to stay in theirs. And you're, yep. you know, you're helping them be who they are. Yep. But does that mean you have to do things exactly catered to them um, in every single aspect? And the answer is no, there's no possible way to relieve the stress of your child. We don't want to totally stress you out yep. and make sure that you aren't working in your brain. So, so Mari, I'm sure you do a lot of the ideating and like here, here are things we can do. And, and your son helps you do the research and, um, and plans it. He does it all the planning for us. Yep. Exactly. Absolutely. So he, he's planned his birthday party since he was five. <laughs> exactly. We, we brainstorm ideas and then he does the research and he plans it and he invites everyone. And if it were me, it would be like, oh, it's your birthday today. <laughs> Let's collect some people and do yeah. something. And Which so would look sure like I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> but it's exactly. And that's not affectively the truth, yeah. right? You know, right. you obviously love your son. So making sure that we're all able to be ourselves, but then kind of, kind of assign different tasks to people as, you know, even the young kids can do that. Like you said, they've been planning his birthday party for a long time. Give them the freedom to do that and they'll be very successful. So I'm a little worried this might cut us off right at 11. Um, and so maybe what we'll do is wrap up. Um, yeah. with folks. I know we're not quite complete with this, but if people have questions, they can get back with us. But I think sometimes when we have it set for a specific time, it actually oh, stops. Yeah. And I don't want it to be an awkward moment here. Let me um, put I, my, um, oh, I'm sorry. Let me put my email. It's going to pull up in just a second. Great. And if you are interested in an A, you can email me as well at mpete at iit.org or respond to the emails that go out. Um, if you're looking for the kids' resources, um, please reach out to Nicole. Nicole, thank you so much for your time. That was so much information. Yeah. I know. I'm so sorry. If you no. have any questions about, you know, your own situation, we do consulting and other things. Ask me questions about your own specific instances, and we can kind of talk about that. Awesome. Great. Great. Well, thank you, Matt, for sharing your story with your kid, and hopefully this has been helpful for you already um, going yeah. through this process, and I encourage anybody um, to do it, to, to engage, that you get some nice resources as a parent, and this will also be available if you want to go back and listen to it again. So have a wonderful day. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.